Our Bible reading comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 16, starting from verse 5. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one, then, should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Acacia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. I urge you, brothers, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunanus and Acacius arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does a church that meets at their house. All the brothers here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Well, hello, good evening. It's good to be, be here preaching again. Um, <clears throat> Does anyone know what day it is on Wednesday? Wednesday the 16th? It's quite, it's, it's quite an important day for me. What, Miriam? It is my birthday. But does anyone know what other special day it is? Um, I, I very much doubt you will. Um, actually, on Wednesday, it's the 207th anniversary of the Battle of Albuera. Obviously, you're, you're well up on your military history. Um, the Battle of Albuera was in the Spanish Peninsula War, and uh, yeah, the, reason, the reason I know this, um, and the reason I remember this, is because it's the regimental day of the Queen's Regiment um, that I served in for, for a little while, just when they were down, down the road um, uh, at, at Den Road. And uh, there's a little bit of a story about what some things that happened in the, in the Spanish Peninsula War. Um, the phrase, die hard, was first used in the Battle of Albuera, 1811. During the battle, Lieutenant Colonel William Inglis 
of the 57th West Middlesex Regiment of Foot was wounded by canister shot. Despite his injuries, English refused to retire from the battle, but remained with the regimental colours, encouraging his men with the words, Die hard, 57th, die hard, as they came under intense pressure from the French attack. Uh, An exhortation from this chap, uh, Colonel William Inglis. And uh, probably uh, using the phrase die hard before Bruce Willis had ever even decided to uh, make a film of that name. And uh, an exhortation to to courage. And what Paul says in Corinthians, among all all these these details and all the kind of administrative arrangements, I called them, although having said that, um, Tim preached most excellently on something that appeared as a ministry of arrangement this morning, so uh, maybe there's, there's great value in there, I just haven't found it. But in amongst, this, um, in amongst this text, there's an exhortation, isn't there? And it's this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love, motivated and inspired by God's love. So what does it mean? To, to be on your guard. Well, uh, it's all military today. Um, if, you, if you don't like that, I'm afraid you've uh, come to the wrong place. Um, as I said, I, I, I served in the TA uh, years and years ago, and uh, just this weekend, um, I spent some time with one of my former colleagues, um, a guy called James, and we were camping. We were camping in the woods, and we were just sort of standing, looking out into the woods, and I was saying, God, we've done a lot of this, haven't we? <laughs> We just sort of stood together. Um, because there's something, when you, look, when you look in a bunch of trees, you think, hey, there's someone over there. And you know that thing where you, you start to sort of create the view and you start to think, I, th- I think there's someone there. And um, we were reflecting together that we'd spent a lot of time doing what you call stagging on in the army, um, which is essentially being on your guard. Being on your guard, looking out, looking out at trees and other boring uh, bits of landscape, thinking, is there someone coming? Is there? But um, James told me this story, which I thought was very interesting. He said um, he was serving in Northern Ireland, and uh, he said he looked out across, uh, across the scene. He was in a sanger, which is like, um, it's a little bit like a pulpit here with, with kind of pillars and a bit of corrugated iron on the top, um, a sort of protected area. And he was looking out, and he looked out and thought, I think I saw a flash. And I think I heard a bang. And this was the time when the troubles were kind of in full swing. And he thought, I'm really sure I did. And what he had in his little sang, he had a thing called the mortar alarm. So uh, it was like a big red button, I imagine it as. I didn't get a great description. And he thought, should I press the alarm? And he decided, yes. He was going to press the alarm. So he pressed the alarm because he was pretty sure he'd seen a flash and heard a bang. And you know what happens when you press the alarm? Everything comes to life. He said he heard the helicopters taking off. He heard the quick reaction force getting into their vehicles and vehicles revving and the gates opening. And this massive military machine came into operation and charged out. And he said he was very gratified because the duty officer came up to the Sanger and while he was there, the flash and bang happened again. So it was a real thing. It was really unsure. And I think that is what it means to be on our guard. 
When Paul says, be on your guard, he is not saying, be fearful. He's saying, look out for the opportunity. Look out to see what the enemy is doing. And if you see something happening, press the button. Because there is a massive military machine behind you. We're not in this, in this fight looking in fear uh, and cowering in our, in, our, in our little defensive position. We're looking out from a position of strength. We're looking out with the mighty God stood behind us, ready to fight for us and on our behalf, ready to launch the, the kind of weight that's much better than whatever battalions the British Army happened to have at that time in Belfast. But there is a massive military machine stood behind us. So that is what I think this means, to, uh, to be on your guard. So moving on with this little bit, I'm going to talk a little bit about it, what it means to stand. And I've been through the various versions of this. Um, some say stand firm. Some say, some say um, uh, stand fast. Some say st- but basically, you kind of get, you get the picture with your various um, translations of what it means to stand. And I've got four different types of stand that I think we can interpret from what Paul is saying to us as we kind of get to the closing bit of, the, of this first book of Corinthians. So first, to stand up. I don't know how many of you um, got saved in those kind of traditional, uh, kind of Billy Graham-style uh, campaigns. Maybe some of you did. I know Billy Graham died just recently. Um, and it, it really puts me in mind, you know, the kind of, does anyone here want to accept Jesus? And sometimes people do that. So that's, that's been quite a lot of our Christian experience, hasn't it? Where people have, the, have to take the courage and stand up. And there's a lot to be said for that. It's not the way for everybody. But there definitely is a time to stand in your Christian life. A time to go public. Now that might be when you stand to, uh, to get baptised, or you stand to speak before you get baptised. And um, just to, to plug, um, uh, um, Helen Crisp, who uh, became a Christian on Alpha, is getting baptised very soon. But I'm sure Tim will be open to uh, other people getting baptised if there's anyone who wants to, because it's such a good witness to stand, to stand and say publicly, go public and say, something has happened to me. Jesus has affected a change in me, and I'm going to stand up and talk about it. Or maybe it's the opportunity to stand and talk to a neighbour, to stand and speak to someone about Jesus, to kind of blow away the, the stuff, the reputation, and uh, go public. Or maybe to stand and pray, to stand with someone, to be a person who takes a stand in whatever you are called to pray on. You might be an intercessor who wants to pray about a particular issue or a particular injustice. And the exhortation to stand applies as much to that as to anything else because it's what God's called you to. So that's the first stand, to stand up. Now what does it mean to stand firm? To stand firm. To, uh, to stand firm in your faith, to continue in your faith, established and firm. Do not move from the hope 
held out in the gospel. That's what it says in, in Colossians 1. Um, and the exhortation here in, in Corinthians is to stand firm in terms of doctrine, in terms of keeping the doctrine sound. And that's where it fits with the kind of rest of the book, isn't it? All these things I've told you, stick with this stuff. Stand firm in your doctrine. And I was thinking about this a little bit because um, uh, Ken and Dave and, and Tim and some of us were working on the church profile document where we had to kind of say what we're about. Uh, and we had to kind of pin that down. And again, this morning we were singing, um, uh, the little bit in the, while the offering was going, we were singing a creed. And there's a lot to be said for kind of standing firm, for knowing what you were about, for being solid in your doctrine. And that's the exhortation that Paul, um, that Paul puts in place, that we're going to stand, we are going to stand solidly in our doctrine. We're going to know what we are talking about. We are going to know what we believe. We are going to be able to give a good account of ourselves uh, in any given situation. So stand firm. Not so much, a, uh, as I was saying, with the being on your guard, not so much a withholding in the battle sort of standing firm, but much, much more positive than that. So the next stand, to stand and fight. Now, I think you w- I would have learned this, but um, I've chucked in a text with loads of names in it, so I'm just going to go for it, um, even though I had the choice. Um, so I've got a little, a, little bit, um, a little bit which talks about the heroes that were fighting with David. So here, here we go. Josheb Basheb, no, Bathshebeth, the Ta-Kemonite. He was the chief of the three. He once put the spear to work against 800 and killed them all in a day. And how about this hero? Eliezer, son of Dodai, the Ahuite, who was next in the elite of three. He was with David when the Philistines poked fun, to the, fun at them at Pazdamin. When the Philistines drew up for battle, Israel retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and killed Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. But he never let go of his sword. A big win for God that day. The army then rejoined, rejoined Eleazar. But all there was left was to do the cleanup. Or the third hero in that little text. Shammah, son of Aji, the Harite, was the third of the three. The Philistines had mustered for battle at Lehi where there was a field full of lentils. Israel fled before the Philistines, but Shammah took his stand in the center of the field, successfully defended it, and routed the Philistines. Another great victory for God. And I love these heroes. I love the fact that they wouldn't be moved from the battle. This is not a taking a stand, holding up, holding up the last ditch attempt. This is people who are kind of a little bit crazy, clearly, um, and, uh, and they really just want to fight the battle. And it's interesting, I've of- often thought this, that, um, you know, we, we, we tell our younger people that the Christian life is kind of hard and kind of difficult, and I think this is very exciting. Um, I think this stuff is very exciting. This is the Christian life, and this is what we should be telling people the Christian life is about. The Christian life is an amazing battle 
full of adrenaline, full of difficulty, but full of victory. And that is the life that we are called to lead. A life, yes, that has battles, but also has the capacity to be heroic. And I love the idea of being heroic. Um, I, I very much like it. If I can get in the paper at work, I quite like that. You know, uh, preferably, you know, with a baby under my arm as the press take the photo, but it doesn't happen very often. But um, I love it. And why not be excited about, about the good things that God is, is, uh, has brought us to? So stand and fight. But elsewhere, it says, the weapons of our warfare, this is Ephesians, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down the imaginations of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this fight, this warfare, um, is not standing in a lentil field, is not refusing to put your sword down so much, although that is the spirit of what we need to be in the fight. But the fight is in a spiritual dimension, is in the thoughts, is in the praying, and is, uh, is the ability for us to really do something that makes a difference. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the fight is in the area of our thoughts, and the fight is in the area of the spiritual, is in the area of praying, is in the area of releasing captives. And it is such a pleasure to be able to do that. And it is so great to see people getting free of the rubbish they're in. So we need to get armed, and without trying to go into a whole other preach that mostly comes from Ephesians, um, I just want to ask us to, to be armed. Let's be correctly armed. Okay, now the sword that's in our hand, we know because we know our Ephesians, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's the armament that we need to have with us. That is the, that is the weapon that we need to have with us. But there are other great weapons that we can use. I love the weapon of praise. I love to praise God in the situations. And I struggle to do it, and I know it's really hard to do, and that is why I love it, because I've seen it so effectively uh, transform situations. When people come to you and say, this is terrible, this awful thing has happened, and you say, oh, but isn't God good? Not to be kind of patronizing, but to declare something that is true, the declaration of praise. So don't be the person who brings a knife to a gunfight. I was going to say, to quite, I've tried to find out where that quote comes from, and it comes from a dozen different films. Um, but be correctly armed, be correctly equipped, and uh, yeah, we can have a whole other, whole other preach out of Ephesians for that one. So stand and fight. But how about this? Stand out. How do we stand out? How do we look different? Romans 12 says this, do, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how we stand out. We stand out because we don't fit. And that's absolutely right. 
because we are being transformed. Our minds are actually being changed. You know, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure if Raj was here, you could discuss the, the brain science of, uh, of having your, your mind changed. But it is true. It is true. It actually works on a physical level that you can be changed. Your brain can function differently by being transformed. The positive effects of a life where you are spiritually alive have an actual effect on your brain. And let us be those people who are transformed, who think differently, who think differently when difficulty come their way, who think differently in every situation. Because we are not the world. The world, they've not got what we have. They've not got the Holy Spirit on the inside. They've not got the, uh, the information. They've not got the spiritual life that allows us to be different. So if we think differently, we will stand out. We will be different from the world. And again, going, going back, keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping. If we love without stopping, we will be different. If we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we will be different. It is our love that marks us out. It is our reactions. It is the way we think different. And that's the way we can stand out. That's the way that we can stand out in the world. That's the way we can stand out even in our, even in our street, even in our, in our families. We can be those who stand out because of what we have on the inside, because of the work of Jesus, because of what he's done for us. So having brought you a kind of um, a, a breaking down of the, of the exhortation, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to, I'd like to pray for us all. Um, but I need you to do something for me. Oh, and uh, just as a kind of heads up, I'm preaching again in a couple of weeks and there'll be another opportunity to stand up. Just going back to the Billy Graham thing. You know, um, we don't do that very much anymore, do we? Um, and uh, David and I and uh, Marion were planning the service for a couple of weeks' time and uh, I think there'll be a chance for a, a kind of stand-up uh, moment if that is your thing. So I've given you due warning, those of you who are here, Okay, so you've got two weeks to think about it. So if you feel well then challenged, you'll know that it's you. But just for tonight, this is all we're standing up for. I'd just like us to stand up, and I'm going to pray the exhortation that, uh, that Paul uh, prayed or, or kind of wrote over us, because I think that's what God wants us to do. So I'd invite you to stand. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Act like mature men and be courageous. Be strong. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. Amen.